This is Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, both of them, one from California, one from Massachusetts. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legal Talk Network. You're listening to Coast to Coast, the top-rated legal show on the Internet. I'm Craig Williams in Newport Beach, Southern California. And this is Bob Ambrogi in Massachusetts. I write a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law, Craig. And I write a blog called May It Please the Court. What's going on today with our podcast, Bob? Well, this is a, uh, a a big day in the legal world, a much-anticipated day when the uh, American lawyer releases its AmLaw 100 list, and uh, that's released today, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Well, the AmLaw 100 ranks the top-grossing corporate law firms in the United States. That's right, and it's uh, uh, being at the top of that list is a highly coveted uh, position for law firms. Uh, it's uh, if they're at the t- law firms at the top of the list, or means they're having revenues that are running well over billion dollars. That's billion with a B, right, Bob? With a B. Well, Coast to Coast is going to go get the stats today right from the source. Our guest is Eric Press, the editorial director for American Lawyer Media. Before Eric was an ALM uh, member. He was a senior editor in charge of Newsweek's coverage for law, news, media, religion, science, and sports for nearly 19 years and uh, has covered things like the Branch Davidians and the O.J. Simpson trial. Uh, Welcome to the show, Eric. Uh, Thanks, Craig. Nice to be with you. Eric, having covered law and religion, I guess you're well qualified to be speaking about this. Render unto Caesar. (laughs) Uh, Eric, could you just start with the basics and just tell us how American Lawyer compiles this list? Well, we, we've we been doing it now for, for 20 years. Uh, we identify what we think are the 100, 110 largest, uh, largest grossing firms in, in the country, uh, and then go out and ask them uh, for their financials. Uh, some, some of the firms uh, cooperate uh, with us and turn them over. Uh, some cooperate with us but deny that they do, and others uh, do not cooperate. And we, our reporter, our reporting staff, both in New York and around the country, um, uh, goes out and as best they can teases out what, uh, what what these firms have been earning. Well, if a company or a law firm doesn't cooperate with you, does that mean they don't get on the list? No. No, uh, if if we think they're an AMLAW 100 or AMLAW 200 firm, uh, we will go at them and uh, one way or another, talking to their to their lawyers, their clients, uh, their former spouses, whom they sometimes get involved in nasty uh, divorce actions with. Uh, there are a lot, there's more than one way to sort of skin this cat uh, to, to get at the information. Um, more than one person. In these large law firms, has it, and you know we use the. If the CIA can't keep its secrets, I'm, I'm sad to say, uh, neither can law firms. So, how confident do you end up being with these numbers? You know, reasonably confident. Some of the numbers, I, I'm absolutely confident about, and others are educated uh, estimates. For the most part, though, quite confident. Have you ever gotten the sense that you're not getting the correct set of numbers from the law firms that actually do cooperate? Now and then, that's uh, that 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 that's been known to happen. Uh, on, on occasion, lawyers have uh, been able to uh, 
to warp our our, our good judgment. Uh, but I I believe that we uh, we I know that we work very hard at confirming these numbers. Cooperation is just the first step. Um, uh, we we will con- we, even with cooperating firms, we will talk with other partners who are as co-owners uh, have access to the, this financial data. Uh, and we work we work quite hard at at at, at getting this, this information right. I mean, the firms uh, cooperate often with uh, surveys done by independent banks. Uh, and in my conversations with the independent bankers who don't publish their their numbers uh, for individual firms, just publish numbers for aggregate, in my conversations with them, I, I've come to feel reassured that our numbers uh, tend to be. Uh, Right on or within ten percent, and that our pecking order uh, is is correct. So you fact check this pretty hard. Very hard. It it, it occupies my staff and the staff of uh, seven of the regional newspapers that American Lawyer Media owns uh, for for months. Well, we like to talk more about the numbers, but rather than keep our listeners in suspense, we wanted to get to at least the top 10 on the list. And uh, I wonder if you could just start with number 10 and count down for us the, the 10 firms with the highest uh, gross this year. Sure. Uh, number 10 is DLA Piper, uh, which has a gross revenue of 890500000 Number 9 is Kirkland & Ellis, with a gross revenue of $970 million. Number eight is Mayor Brown with a gross revenue of $980 million. Number uh, seven is Weil Gottschall with a gross revenue of $1,016,500,000. Um, number five is White and Case with a gross revenue of $1,046,000,000. Number four Sidley Austin, with a gross revenue of one billion one hundred twenty-four million. Number three, Jones Day, gross revenue of one billion two hundred eighty-five million. Uh, number three, Baker and McKenzie, gross revenue of one billion three hundred fifty-two million. Uh, number two, Latham and Watkins, with a um, Gross revenue of one billion four hundred twelve million five hundred thousand. And Eric, before we get to number one, it's almost like we need to do a David Letterman joke. But we, I think we've got, uh, as Bob mentioned earlier, Paul Schaefer standing by. Let's get to number one. And the number one top-grossing law firm in in America is uh, Skadden Arps, headquartered here in New York, with a gross revenue of one billion six hundred ten million dollars. And, of course, Skadden's had that position for a, a couple of years running. Uh, is that right? They're number one last, in 2004 as well. Yes, they've been number one uh, I, uh, 18 of the, of the 20 years, and certainly for the last, since the early 90s, uh, they, they've, been, they've been number one. It's a, it, it's a firm that has managed the very difficult uh, trick of being large in in many cities around the world and still able to get most of their lawyers doing highly lucrative, high-billing work. Are there any other firms that stand out in the top ten list uh, that have either risen or fallen quite a bit? 
Well, uh, there's a new number two this year, uh, Latham and Watkins, which started in uh, in Los Angeles many decades ago, and, and then became a, a national firm, and is now a, a a global firm as well. They're they're new to number number two. Baker and McKenzie, which has uh, traditionally been been our second ranked firm, uh, is, is is as I said number number three. Uh, Number three this year, uh, Baker and McKenzie sort of invented the idea of the global law firm. I, I uh, offhand, I can't tell you how many uh, countries and cities they're in, but suffice to say, they have almost as many offices as the State Department has embassies. And I see DLA Piper on the list, and I know that there was a, a merger this year. They went from twenty number twenty-five in two thousand and four to. Number ten uh, this year is is that because of the merger or are there other factors there? Well, a lot of it is due to the merger uh, w- within the states. Uh, DLA Piper uh, added uh, a, law, a West Coast based law firm called Gray Carey, which added several hundred lawyers and their revenues uh, to this number. Plus, like other ambitious and successful firms, DLA Piper has been working hard at as I said earlier, moving up this this value chain, trying to get a higher percentage of their lawyers doing work uh, for whom price is little or no object. Clients uh, don't want to pay high lawyers' bills like like the rest of us unless they absolutely have to. And if you're a law firm, you want to provide that absolutely have to have to work. And, and DLA Piper has been trying to to to, to get there. Is there any translation, Eric, between the net revenues and the net profits of the firm? Well, the um, some of the firms on uh, on this top ten list uh, are enormously uh, well. They're all, by any reasonable standard, enormously lucrative. But but some are are, are more lucrative than, than others. I mean, Skadden, uh, Latham, uh, Kirkland and Ellis, uh, Wild Gottschall. All have profits per partner uh, well close uh, above two million or close to two million. Others of these firms, uh, while they're doing quite well, uh, hover uh, around one million or or below. Why such a difference? Pardon? Why is there such a difference between well, the big and the and the smaller ones? Well, the difference w- comes down to the work they're getting, um, uh, what what clients are willing to pay for. How heavy the overhead is. Uh, I mean, most, many, I take it back, many of the most uh, successful firms in terms of pr- uh, profitability have uh, one, two, or three offices as opposed to some of these global giants, which could have anywhere from 20 to 50 offices. You know, rent takes its toll, uh, over- overhead, machinery, uh, staffing, uh, it-, it takes its toll. Uh, secondly, some parts of the legal business are more profitable than others. If, uh, if your CEO is facing a, uh, an unfriendly phone call from Elliot Spitzer asking for a private meeting, uh, he or she uh, is not going to be too worried about the legal budget uh, that, 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 that gets busted in order to get the very best uh, advice uh, she needs. On the other hand, if uh, if it's a more routine kind of case or corporate deal, they're going to look at that legal budget very very carefully. So the firms that manage to get that uh, former 
kind of work. The work for, for where, where price is no object tend to be uh, more profitable. Many of those firms are headquartered or specialized in, in New York practices, the sort of financial center of the Western world, uh, but not all. Um, many have uh, you know, very rarefied specialties in intellectual property litigation, for example, which is sort of the practice area of the 21st century as, as the country becomes much more of a knowledge economy and less of a goods and production economy companies' whole worth turns on protecting their intellectual property and using the, the very best lawyers to do it only stands to reason. What's the range in the, in the hourly rates that we're looking at here for the lawyers from the top to the bottom? Well, it, it, it varies a lot because of, uh, uh, of geographic spread, but we're talking anywhere from uh, $250 an hour to uh, 1000 or more. A thousand is generally regarded as as the ceiling, but it'll go up. Eric, I was intrigued to see two two Boston-based firms on this list: Ropes and Gray and Goodwin Proctor show uh, increases in their gross revenue of thirty-seven percent or higher, and a number of firms in the in the thirty to thirty-five percent. Uh, range, seeing seeing significant increases in their gross revenue. Uh, do you, from from the surveys that you've done, have have any sense of what accounts for that that for those sizable increases in revenue? Well, in part, it's uh, it, it's mergers uh, over the last two years. Ropes and Gray, which is a a, a great Boston law firm uh, with a, with a long tradition, has uh, picked up uh, acquired two. Much smaller but significant law firms in New York City. One uh, a corporate firm, the other an intellectual property firm. They've probably added oh, anywhere between 200 and 275 lawyers in New York, all of whom or most of whom have very effective practices, high billing rates. Um, you add you add a couple hundred lawyers uh, to the top line, and your top line is going to is going to jump jump way up. Uh, in addition, both uh, Ropes and Gray and Goodwin and Proctor have significant litigation practices both in New England and around the country, and this has been an extremely active time for for big ticket uh, litigation, and that that will drive revenue up uh, as well. Eric, what's the import of this list to the top firms? How do they use being on this list uh, in their business? Well, they use it as a benchmark. Um, uh, principally, uh, we're, we're not the only ones uh, doing this. As I say, there are also banks that do it privately, uh, but we're the only ones that do it do it publicly. They they use it as a as a benchmark internally. They use it uh, as a recruiting tool. Uh, they use it, uh, I suppose, for uh, bragging rights uh, to, to to a degree. Uh, the law is by, by no means a transparent uh, marketplace. I doubt that it ever will be, uh, but, but the American lawyer brings a certain amount of translucency, if, if nothing else, to a, to a marketplace that otherwise, uh, to continue to torture this metaphor, would be opaque. What kind of pressure do you get as, a, as an editor to, uh, from these law firms about the list? Do you get wined and dined and presented with uh, gifts and that kind of thing? Are they trying to influence where they show up? No, no. Uh, the the the, num- the numbers are. Th- this isn't a uh, a qualitative um, 
uh, survey. It's a it's a quantitative one, and the, and the numbers are are what they are. On occasion, we do um, uh, qualitative sur- uh, surveys every couple years. We do a litigation department of the year, and then I've been known to hear from a, a, a lawyer or two with an invitation to a dinner to discuss just how good they are. But that that's fairly rare, and I as I frequently remind them, I am just one vote on a jury, so they're, if they expect me that dinner to sway anything, they're going to be sadly disappointed. So because Bob and I had you on the show, we can't end up, we're, we're probably not going to show up as 99 and 100? <laughs> <laughs> well, what will you, if it were a qualitative survey, you'd do even better. Great. Uh, there, there, are, uh, there are a number of firms on here that actually showed uh, revenue either staying steady from 2004 uh, to 2005 or, or falling off. Uh, can we read anything into that? Um, you know, there, there are for, the, the, these firms are, are by, as I say, by any reasonable standard, uh, enormously successful, but they have, they have ups and downs, uh, uh, ups and downs too. I mean, the couple of firms that, that, that slid off the list onto the second hundred list, Haynes and Boone and, in Texas and Ballard Spar and out of, out of Philadelphia are, are are very fine firms. Uh, others just grew a little faster in, in terms of their top line and and forced their way onto the list and and and, and knocked those guys uh, off. A couple of the firms that that fell off the list, one folded, the famous Coudere Brothers firm. Uh, one merged. The the Gray Carey firm was acquired by DLA Piper. And Jenkins and Gilchrist, which has had some difficulty over the last couple of years because a couple of their former partners were caught up in the ongoing tax shelter scandals, uh, they, they lost their New York office, which is about 95, 95 lawyers went elsewhere, and they, they've, they've hit a couple of speed bumps, so they, 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 too, they too slipped off the list. Well, I mean, beyond falling off the list, I mean, there are some some firms here that saw their revenues uh, drop from 2004 to 2005. I'm looking at, say, Chad Burton Park was down almost 5% in its revenues. Uh, Shook Hardy down 2.6%. Dorsey Whitney down 3.5%. Uh, These firms are, suggest- I mean, I, I can go into each one individually if you like, but I'm, I'm not sure for your listeners it's pertinent. Firms have troubles year in and year out. I mean, uh Two years ago, they may have had a great windfall of a case, and they didn't have anything like it last year, so so they went away. Sometimes firms will make bad bad hiring decisions or expand into cities where they have no business being and spend a lot of money and invest a lot of money, and there's no return on that investment, and that'll show up one year, and the revenue is a... As, as a serious shortfall, um, so so they may be an a- anomalies as much as indicators of of any kind of a trend or something. That that that's correct. Uh, I mean, so every year, as as well you know, a, a couple of firms will will die or get acquired, but it's hard to kill these 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 places. They're they're run for the most part by very smart and hardworking people. Uh, it requires a collection of a combination of bad luck and serial bad judgments to 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 kill one uh law firms sometimes get wounded and start losing losing people because there's a perception that their their some of their partners can do better elsewhere either either for their clients or being introduced to new clients but new firms things of that sort do tend to hamper 
some firms. It's a, it's a very competitive, very competitive market. Eric, we're going to take a short break now. There's going to be still much more coming up on Coast to Coast. We're going to break down the numbers, and we're going to talk a little bit about mega mergers. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. This is Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Craig Williams. We're dissecting the just-released Animal Law 100 list of law firms. Our guest today is Eric Press from American Lawyer. Eric, we talked before the break just kind of tangentially about uh, what attorneys are taking home from this. Have you figured out what the average compensation per partner for the top 100 is? Well, the uh, the average profits per partner for the top 100 is a uh, million ten thousand, and it's a uh, it's the first time we've ever had a uh, we've ever broken the the million mark on on, on profits per partner. And there are actually uh, two firms which have the round number of one million for for what we call PPP, who, alas, at a million are still coming in below average. Uh, let me be clear that, well, th- th- this is an average number. It, it doesn't tell anyone what, what, what any partner's individual paycheck or draw for the, for the year might, might be, nor does it take into account um, uh, uh, contributions they may have to be making uh, uh, to, to, to the law firm. So it does give you some general idea of uh, which which firms are benefiting their their partners more. But before you go asking for a loan, you you need to know more. Eric, you you described at the beginning of this interview the work that you put into compiling this survey and your staff and, and American Lawyer Media in general. Uh, what do you see as the value of of this survey? 
Well, the principal value is that it gives people running businesses, uh, managing partners, and secondly, people owning businesses, the, the shareholders and partners in these firms, uh, a rough idea of where they stand in the marketplace. It's akin to the Fortune 500 for um, company executives and shareholders. Law firms are privately held. They have no duty to to disclose to anyone but their, their partners, and there are even a few firms that don't even disclose to their partners. Um, nonetheless, they are operating on a competitive landscape, and I I think that it's important for people running businesses not to be operating in the dark about where they stand vis-a-vis the others. Does this profit uh, potential that you're seeing here at the large law firms that range up to about $2 million, does this cause any of the corporate counsel that hire these law firms any pause in terms of saying, you know, should I be financing this kind of a lifestyle? Well, sometimes it does, uh, and uh, sometimes the the corporate counsel are, in fact, earning more. I mean, on average, the uh, in-house lawyers do not do not earn as much as private law firm lawyers, but the the top lawyer uh, in in leading corporations between salary, bonus, and stock options is often uh, uh, making uh, very serious money, uh, and and will have a compensation package that dwarfs uh, that dwarfs some of the law firm lawyers who who serve her. Um, that said, when these stories come out the, and these lists come out, there are occasional sharp intakes of breath uh, in, 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 amongst clients, although these are very sophisticated clients for the most part, and they, they aren't going to uh, $2 million a year lawyers for casual matters. They're, they're going if they're as good as I think they are, they're going to brain surgeons for brain surgery, not to not to suture a, a, a cut on a hand. Now, your list, the MLA 100, only includes private law firms. It doesn't include any of the corporate uh, law firms that that are inside companies, right? That's correct. That that that's that's correct. Our our corporate counsel magazine, uh, its reason for existence is tracking and in, in, in some detail. The, the life and times of the in-house lawyers, but we don't have um, we, we don't have financial numbers on on, on on their overall budgets and things of that sort. We do not. Much easier to get though because they're pro- public. Most of them are public companies, right? Well, it's easier. It's it, the general counsel is one of the five uh, top paid um, officials of officers or or employees of the company. Then yes, uh, we, we we can get that number and and. Corporate Counsel Magazine accumulates all of those numbers, assembles all of those numbers each year, and and, and publishes them uh, it generally in our um, you know, summertime issue. Forgive me, the, the month escapes me. But what we don't have, uh, for the most part, is the total budget of of legal departments. Um, I, I wish we did, but that information tends to be closely held. Is there any correlation between the number of lawyers in a firm and its gross revenues? Yes, the, the larger firms tend to have high, higher gross just just because of the multiplier uh, multiplier effect. There is not necessarily a correlation between 
the number of firm n- number of lawyers in the firm and 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 the profitability if anything it tends to work uh, in, in, in in inverse i mean it's interesting the the top ranking firm number scadden has just ha- barely half the lawyers of number 3 baker and mckenzie um but other than that, I mean, that seems to be an anomaly too, and, and otherwise they seem to tend to run fairly close in numbers. Yes, these are large. These are very large. These top top ten law firms. I mean, all, the whole top hundred are very large institutions. I mean, the average size of uh, uh, of damn low one hundred law firm is I think seven hundred and one lawyers. There, you know, that, that, it, it, it takes a small village to be an damn low one hundred uh, law firm. But it's not necessarily the case, and frequently not, where the largest largest gross turns into the highest profitability. In fact, quite the opposite. Wachtell Lipton, uh, which is the smallest law firm in the AMLO 100 in terms of headcount, far and away has the highest profitability, and that's because the work that, that its lawyers do uh, is highly valued by its clients. It's very rarefied merger and acquisition work, a certain amount of bankruptcy work, and a certain amount of big-ticket litigation work. And to get Wachtell Lipton, you have to pay a lot of money if you're a client and you don't hire them uh, casually. Eric, we're going to wrap up with and get your final thoughts on this. And I was curious about uh, if you could address some of the listeners that are not in the 68,186 lawyers that are on the top 100 list, uh, how they should view this list? Well, uh, they can view it aspirationally. They can view it um, with uh, envy. Or they can view it with a certain amount of uh, relief, uh, not, not to have to uh, work uh, quite quite so so hard in, in quite such large institutions. Let me be very clear: there are lots of lawyers in small law firms that are doing fabulous work and are making fabulous sums of money. They don't happen to be on our list because our list is, is the driver of our list. The price of admission of our list is is gross revenue. Um, at the very least, I think law for the uh, l- lawyers might pay attention to this list the same way that small business people pay attention to the to the Fortune 500. It's always interesting and instructive to see what the big boys and girls are up to. Eric, I, our time is about up. I wonder if you could give us uh, some closing thoughts on this list and also tell uh, our listeners where they can find more information about this. Well, they, on, on the web, you can go to www.americanlawyer.com. The, the second thing I would say is that our second hundred list will be out uh, next month in June. But more importantly, uh, even in our July issue, is what we've come to call the, the A-list. And th- this is uh, the top 20 firms of the AMLAW 200 judged on uh, a highly, uh, highly original pardon my joke, uh, formula that uh, takes into account revenue, pro bono public service work, associate satisfaction, and diversity in the workplace. And we think that the the A-list is as important, if not more important, in terms of identifying who the great law firms are in terms of holding up the highest ideals of the profession 
as as important as how they, how well they perform as business institutions. So I urge our your your listeners and welcome them to to, to look for our our July issue. And maybe you'll come back and discuss it with us when it comes out. I'd be delighted if you'll have me. Thank you, Eric. We appreciate your time today. Sure, a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Eric. Nice talking to you. Right, same here. Bye. Craig, good talking to you, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Well, Bob, I'm gunning for the MLA A-list, although I don't think that you or I are going to hit it in terms of the revenue requirement. I don't I don't think so. Nor, nor are the diversity requirements, since I'm a solo. Yeah, I understand. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.